Hello, I'm Christopher Pierce. I'm Buddy Lloyd. Welcome to Death Metal. <laughs> Hell yes. Welcome back once again into the void with Christopher Pierce and Buddy Lloyd. This is Death Metal Dicks. We're detectivizing some of the gnarliest true crimes and syncing it up with some of our favorite death metal tunes. That's the detective part, right, buddy? Yeah. We just want to let you know that we are a part of professional pirate media group. We're streaming live right now on YouTube with a beautiful broadcast. Other podcasts you got to check out on professional pirate media. First of all, like the Facebook so you can keep up with everything going on with our media group. They got the flagship podcast. They got the Make It a Mark podcast, um, and we're loving it. We love being part of this group. The studio looks fucking awesome, as you can tell. We got rapistries, tapestries, fapistries. Crapistries. <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming together. This shit rules. Uh, what'd you do this week, buddy? Worked and nothing. That's it. Perfect. I went to the uh, Guns N' Roses concert we had here in Little Rock at the old War Memorial Stadium. A big stadium concert for me, for free, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, So I went in there. uh, I was going to help my friend move. And then a friend of mine, Ross, who's a radio DJ in Memphis, texted me. And he's like, hey, man, you like Guns N' Roses? I was like, not really. (laughs) He texted me back and he was like, well, I'm coming to town. I got a free ticket. And uh, you want to go? And I had a fucking big old bag of mushrooms. Uh, allegedly, this is satire if you've ever employed me or yeah. planned to employ me in the future. It's a joke. And I took that eighth of mushrooms and fucking <laughs> sat there and tripped my balls out and looked at a bunch of guys that do drywall fucking Christmas vacation it and spending all their kids' school money on Guns and Roses tickets and merchandise and $10 beers. Yeah, man. Just go ahead and uh, tell your landlord, hey, fuck it, man. I got it might be a monthly the rent because I fucking spent six hundred dollars on my goddamn tickets and my goddamn boobs. It's so easy. Got these kids that I can't feed. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking bitching, dude. I would probably not ever go again. It was Kyle, three hours. Tyler and Reed. <laughs> uh, also, you can follow me on Twitter at Death Metal Chris, all one word, of course. Uh, you can. Add me, Christopher, with a K, K R I S T O F E R, and Pierce on Facebook. And you can add Buddy Lloyd on Facebook to keep up with us. Uh, I've also got the page that I'm working on right now, currently called Young Metal Gods, soon to be Death Metal Dicks, as soon as I can get Facebook to let me use the word dick. We'll get it cracking. Uh, also, if you're native to where we live, Little Rock, Arkansas, I'll be featuring for old Kyle Kinane September 9th. And I just wanted to let you know, if you live in town and you're checking this out, there's not a lot of tickets left. I think somewhere like 15 or 16. So if you want to go, uh, you got to grab them because it's going to be packed all the way on Vino's. The venue can only fit 150 people. So I recommend you get in touch with me and I'll send you that link to the tickets so you can get hooked up to come to see Kyle Kinane, one of my favorite comedians of all time. It's going to be a good time. Yep, I'm sure it will be. There ain't nothing else fucking going on in Little Rock. Why the fuck would you not go to this shit? Man, I couldn't tell you why, but uh, it's going to be for sure sold out. And I would like for a bunch of my friends to be there and show Kyle Kinane that we got a cool crew here. And just, you know, show them that all the metal guys are in town. Fucking blast it out. You know what I mean? 
Well, without any further announcements, let's get our feet wet with Dennis Rader, the Bind Torture Kill Killer, Dennis Lynn Rader. And we will be comparing him tonight to the suffocation classic, Bind Torture Kill! One of my favorite suffocation songs of all time. Heavy as hell. Now, this is going to be a two-parter, buddy. There's lots of details. I spent about 20 hours researching this. And let me tell you off the top, I fucking hate this guy. Yeah, he's a real scumbag. I mean, of course, all serial killers are scumbags, but he had a particular type of intent. You know, you got the Jeffrey Dahmer, you got the Gacy, and what they're doing is fucking obviously the worst thing. But when we're talking about the guys that are doing the worst thing... Those guys aren't the same frame of mind that uh, this fucking dork is. No. Dennis Lynn Rader went out of his way to kill people in a certain way. And he was very familiar with serial killers that came before him. And he was just the fucking to the T, office supply having, white shoe wearing, knee high sock wearing, barbecue grilling dork. And I fucking hate him. You're going to see why. I'm going to cover the ins, the outs. If you have any questions between this week and next week, get a hold of us on Facebook and we'll chat it up. I love talking about murder. Yeah, me too, man. All right, so we're all familiar with what he did. He killed 10 people. He's serving 10 life sentences right now on death row. Now, Dennis Lynn Rader was born to Dorothea May and William Elvin May Rader in Pittsburgh, Kansas. He grew up in Wichita. He was the second youngest of four boys. And uh, he admits in his biography and interviews and journal that when he was growing up, that he already started to become fascinated with sadomasochism. And he began to enact that by tying up and torturing animals at a young age. Well, yeah, it's because he's from fucking Kansas, where if you have somebody younger than 21 with you, you decide, I'm going to go to get a beer. And this is in a Walmart. This is in like a Walgreens, wherever. If the, if the other person you're with is under 21, they will not sell you a beer. One beer. They do the same thing here. No, no, no. Not, not like a Walmart, like in a liquor store, yeah. No, nah, dude. I was in a gas station the other day and some kids walked in and this kid was like, I forgot my ID. All super loud. And the gas station attendant heard him and I'm checking out and he looks at the other gas station attendant and goes... Oh, did you hear that? He said he forgot his ID. And the other girl, oh, and the other girl was that was with him was like, "I'll buy it for you." And the girl was like, "I'll buy it for you." And so uh, he came up to the counter right behind me with her, and the girl put down the thirty pack, and the fucking dude's just salivating over it and going, oh, "I'm gonna need to see everyone in the group's IDs." God damn. Yeah, and so the the kid was like, "God damn it!" So then I looked at the guy and I was I put the thirty pack down, and he was like, "That it?" And then I was like. Sure is, officer. Bought the 30-pack. Took it outside. I was like, hey, wait up, man. The kid came back over. And then I was like, he's like, man, thank you so much. I was like, yep, 40 bucks. He's like, 40 bucks? There's 20 in there. I was like, well, it's 40 out here. <laughs> then his friend yells over at him and goes, oh, he's he's hustling you. Just pay him the 40. I'll give you 20 later. And I was like, yep, I'm hustling you, Jeff. Let me get that 40. Gave me the cash, gave him the beer, smooth as jazz. Damn. But point is, it's against the law here, too. So that's not really a knock on Kansas. But Kansas sucks. Kansas fucking sucks. It carry on our wayward son. And tying up and killing animals ain't wrong. Licking up on a dead bung. 
Carrie, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> but yeah, he was killing animals when he was a kid. That was going on through his whole childhood. And they grew up in the Presbyterian church. So he knew that anything weird he was doing was totally wrong. And from a young age, as you do when you're in church, he learned to keep all his crazy thoughts under wraps. Didn't tell anybody about him. Bottled them all up. And was just dreaming about choking and creaming the entire time. God. Now... What do you think that Dennis Rader did right after high school? Oh. Knowing the info that he's already into torturing animals and he wants to tie humans up. What do you think the perfect activity for someone going down that road is? Uh, choke foot masturbation. Well, that, but he joined <laughs> the goddamn military. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. what always happens. Every serial killer we've gone over, I think, even Albert Fish has been in the goddamn military. Has he been in the military? Was he? Yeah, hell yeah. He was in the army, dude. That's why he was all dusty looking with his army coats and shit, because he had an old army coat from when he served. Mm. Um, so Raider joins the Air Force, which is the easiest branch, which is perfect for old fucking puss boy Dennis Raider. He's in the Air Force from 1966 to 1970. Just a four-year term, which I guess is usually what you sign up for. Never saw any combat or anything like I'm sure he was dreaming about. Uh, Then he gets out and he starts working in the meat market at the IGA, the old supermarket of Kansas. God. And you would be like, oh, he's branching out and getting a job. But no, mommy keeps the books there. So little Denny's going to get him a job with Maymaw. Man, this guy's a fucking idiot. I hate him so much. Uh, So yeah, he's working with his mom. He meets Paula Dietz, and they get married May 22nd of 1971. So now he's like 22. Starts going to college. Gets his associate in electronics from Butler Community College in big old El Dorado, Kansas. But! (laughs) (laughs) That takes him two years to get done. And then he enrolls in big boy college at Wichita State University. And it takes him six goddamn years to get a BA in administration of justice because he wants to be a cop. Oh. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, who could believe a guy that just wants to torture and kill and wants to be in the military would love being a goddamn police officer? Shucker. He loves cops, and we'll see as he gets into his confessions and getting caught that he would do anything to be friends with cops. I mean, they obviously hate him because he's a serial killer, but he's on board with whatever the fucking cops want. They could have made him fucking jerk each one of them off into a jar, for sure. And drink it? Dude, he would have done anything the cops wanted to. Tell me something disturbing. (laughs) Anything. Suck fucking come out of their butts? Would have done it. Just to be part of the cop crew. I believe it. And if you've never seen this guy, go ahead and Google the shit. Because he looks like a cat mixed with a fucking (laughs) Catholic priest from, like, Medieval times. <laughs> <laughs> he does have those cat eyes. Yeah. It's the cat-eyed guy. <laughs> oh. Uh, so, he had a litany of jobs. He never really amounted to shit, and I think that was part of his problem, is that, uh, you know, he was stir-crazy. He had this second brain wave going on of torturing and killing, and he was just never able to get a good job where he could have challenged himself and worked towards anything. Uh, after getting his degree in IGA, he ends up getting a job at the Coleman Company, which is that company that manufactures all the Walmart camping gear. Top of the line. Then he had his dream job, besides being a cop, working for ADT, the alarm company. And he was in charge of installing alarms in the area. So this guy has now got basically the keys to his city. He was roaming around, 
telling people, oh, the boogeyman's in town. You got to get it a fucking alarm set up just in case someone comes through a scrowling and a prowling and digging through your panty drawers. He built this city on cock and hole. So while he's working for ADT, he starts to kind of ramp up what he's going to get into. Now he's casing houses. Uh, he, he calls victims and potential victims projects. He uses like Project Green, Project Pink, Project Unit Blue. And he starts building this type of alternative fantasy while he's working for AT, ADT. So he'll gain access into the house. And when he's there, he'll look at family pictures and mail and figures out if it's like a man and a wife, if they have kids, where they work at, what they have going on. And he starts building profiles for people in his head. And before he starts murdering, he just starts creeping in their house, trying to be around when they're not home and just be in the house and be creepy and move stuff around and shit like that. So if you thought you had a poltergeist in Wichita, Kansas in the 1970s, chances are it was probably just Dennis fucking Raider trying your socks on. Mm. Socks? I know he loves socks. I can tell by looking at him. A real sockman. Just Um, leave a goddamn rosary on the table and some fucking (laughs) friskies, cat food, and he'll be good. (laughs) <laughs> he worked at ADT from 1974 to 1988, so a 14-year stretch. And he got fired from ADT for not meeting his work quota, which seems like a crazy thing to happen to you after working somewhere for 14 years. So he must have had some like weird period where he was probably trying to uh, hide his murders and shit. I mean, he was actively killing people during that time, so... Who knows what went on between him and ADT, but that's the reason they fired him because he had a certain amount of sales to make and he wasn't getting it done. Um, and the funny thing is, is that while he was killing and working for ADT, that was like his whole sales pitch. It was like record fucking. They think that Dennis Rader is the goddamn sales king because he's out here killing people and everyone in the neighborhood panics. So then he walks into the neighborhood and it's like, well, you don't want to get fucking tied tits to toes. So let me sell you something to keep it all from happening to you. That's not a bad business plan. No, no. He really knows how to sell some shit. You can tell by his bald spot he's got sales skills. Yeah. Now, he gets fired in 1988, so he's got a whole year, which that'll come up in our second podcast, what he does within that year. Uh, And then he gets hired on as supervisor of field operations for the 1990 federal census. So that's the people that are going around asking all your names, like, if I knock on your door, I'm like, knock, knock, hey, buddy. What's up? Is this your address? Yes. How many people live here? Six. Oh, God. Is there any ladies in here? Three. What do they smell like? Bacon and regret. You think they like if I would come along and maybe tie him up? Keyword, come. Oh, God. And that was his whole job. That's awesome. He's in charge of the fucking field officers and shit, so he can do whatever he wants to. Now, the census was over after a year. It's a temporary job, but that lended him credibility that he's already working for the government and to get in someone like this. Look, he's got all the dream jobs for someone who likes creeping around and coming into your house and being a fucking asshole, he gets a job for the city of uh, Park City, where he lives, as a dog catcher and ordinance compliance officer. Perfect. 
perfect. Perfect so asshole perfect. job. <laughs> oh man. So you know what a dog catcher is. Yeah. But the asshole. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The compliance officer means that he like writes tickets for code violations. So he would literally, if you didn't cut your yard the right way and someone wanted to be a bitch about it, he would be that guy that would come over and give you a ticket for the way you're keeping your lawn up that doesn't fall in line with city code. It was like the fucking hall monitor from Detroit Rock City. He was a piece of shit, and all the people that lived around him fucking hated him. They said that, like, he was way too serious about his job. He was overzealous. There was a lady in his neighborhood that he had constant clashes with. She was single and had a daughter. But she had a dude that would come over and probably fuck, I assume. Yeah. But the guy would come over. Uh, her car broke down. So he came over one day when the guy was working on the car, knocked on the door and was like, hey, listen, it's against city code to have this car parked in the driveway. And this guy's out here working on it and it's an eyesore. So we're going to have to write you a ticket if you don't get rid of the guy. And she's like, the guy. And he's like, yeah, if the guy goes away, everything's cool. And she's got a little dog. And so she's like, the guy doesn't have to deal with anything. Like, I'm going to call the city and have this taken care of. And he's like, oh, yeah, you are? She's like, yep. She calls the city. So he comes back, takes the dog, which is the daughter's little Bichon Frise, has it euthanized while they're at work and can't do anything about it. And then she confronts him about it. And she's like, well, why would you kill our dog? And he's like, because I fucking can. Oh. He's definitely that guy. What a fucking asshole, Oh, man. he sucks, dude. If that doesn't... I mean, he's killed. And think about this, dude. Think about how many dogs he's killed. Because he's already torturing. He's torturing animals as a kid. Man, dude. We should write this motherfucker a letter. He's still alive. He's still alive, We dude. should troll as many serial killers as we can. But That's we, actually a pretty good idea. <laughs> we should do that, But dude. everything I read, unless you have, like, press credentials, because he's, you know, huge ego, he won't talk back to you. Because he's, like, a super Christian guy. But you know what this reminds me of is that scene in Friday where uh, Ice Cube's dad is telling him about the dog catcher job. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, come on, come in here. Look at that application for a dog catcher. And Ice Cube's like, but dad, you hate your job. He's like, I don't hate my job. He's like, but you hate dogs. And he goes, that's the beauty of it. <laughs> Whooping the dog's ass. That's my pleasure. <laughs> Every day, pick the dog up, kick his ass. <laughs> Put the foot up his ass. I love it. Yeah, that's basically Dennis Rader is the white dad from Friday, probably. God. <laughs> and what's funny about that job to me is so he gets arrested in 2005, right? He gets fired for no call, no show. Not murdering 10 people. He just didn't show up to work for five days because he's in fucking jail on trial for murdering 10 people of this small town. <laughs> God. It just goes to show you how fucking small town government works. Uh, in his free time, he was a well-trusted member of Christ Lutheran Church, which we he had pretty much been in his whole life. He had even been elected the president of church council. He had a key to the building, all that shit. Man. They loved him. And all I can think about when I hear that shit is when I was a kid, if I wanted to have like a friend come over to my house or go over to a friend's house, what's the first thing my grandparents would ask me? Does he go to church? Yep. Oh, where does he go to church at? And then... If you're, I would just lie for sure all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. I think I told him that Kid Rock was a Christian band just to get the fucking record. You know oh, what I'm yeah, saying? I'm like, look, he's praying on front. But yeah, if you told them that anybody went to church, they're like, oh, okay. Like, no other check into it. No background check. No phone call. 
No reference cross check. Hey, do you guys know this guy? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, he goes to church. He's cool. I told one time I told my grandma that uh, Demon Borgir was a Christian man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I was like in high school, whatever. But yep. at the same time, she also drilled my friend in my room without me. She told me I had to leave the room because he said, fuck God. And oh. so, <laughs> yeah, it, dude. He sat in there and she sang to him and <laughs> yeah, whoa, fucking hilarious, man. Hey, man, just because she cared, she just she didn't did. want your friend My... to go to hell, man. That's yeah, all. Yeah, she was cool, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, Annie was also a leader in his Cub Scouts troop. Of course, he had uh, three kids and he was involved in their Cub Scouts troop. Man, just think about Dennis Rader teaching your kids to tie knots in Cub Scouts. <laughs> We're just all boned up. Uh, yeah, and, you know, when he was arrested in 2005, the state made a special exception for his wife to get an immediate divorce. So, like, day of, they told her what he was arrested for, and they were like, okay, you can annul your marriage, no problem. And she changed her name and went back to normal. That's awesome. Because she distanced himself for herself from that piece of shit. It, you know, here's the thing. is like, I hate this dude. He's a dork. Two of the craziest things to me about the whole deal with Dennis Rader is, one, he's got just a regular family Pretty much normal life, regular job. He'll explain it to us in a letter that he writes, but I don't see how you can just be missing so much, killing people. Some of these murders took hours. He's just out in the fucking wild, having plenty of time to do activities in in addition to working a full-time job and working at the church and doing Cub Scout shit. He's still got time to murder, and no one's the fucking wiser. Yeah, I mean, like, how the fuck do you just go... Well, he was in the army. He wants to be a cop. He's a dog catcher. He's the bill code dude. He's a fucking asshole. There's got to be something right about this guy, so let's go ahead and put him in anything we want. He's head of the church. He's got a key to the church. That's a fair point about that guy, is if you're married to somebody like that, you probably don't give a fuck anyway. No, Like, that guy's an ass. She couldn't be cool. There's no way she was cool. No. Yeah, because that guy's a douche, man. He's every every old guy that you hate running into. She only wore long skirts. For a fact. Yeah, yeah. I already know. I'm That's that Lutheran it. shit, though. Anyway, yeah, so. uh, Yeah, okay. So, my idea for this episode is uh, split it up into two parts, and then this one will hit all of his early murders, because he had a pretty long period of inactivity, and in the period of inactivity, he tried to goof around and fuck with police and the media and shit like that. So, we'll cover his earliest murders, and then get up to where he's writing letters, and then rest on the hiatus, come back next week, and finish off where his stupid ass gets caught and how he gets caught, which is hilarious. Yeah, what a dumb shit. And we'll go over all that next week. So we'll kick it off. And, uh, you know, another thing I think about this, um, it was a perfect storm for him because he's living in this small town in Kansas. Like, these cops are fucking idiots. You know, every they're not set up to uh, to investigate a murder in the first place. They do everything wrong. And by the time he kills seven people, when they really start paying attention, they come together and decide that they need to start a crime unit to all work together and spend all their time trying to lock down where Dennis Rader's been, where he's going to go, who it is. They never solve it, of course, but they call this stupid team the Hot Dog Squad. I thought it was the Ghostbusters. No, the the Ghostbusters weren't cops. That was a group of citizens. We'll Uh, talk about them a little bit, too. But the fucking Hot Dog Squad (laughs) is the task force of the literal police. (laughs) What is going on with that? Where do they just meet up and eat fucking hot dogs and talk about the murders? 
Anyway. And then I know they don't have good hot dogs in Kansas. They don't have good anything in Kansas. Fuck Kansas. Yeah, good nothing. They just so, you know, they, they just aren't prepared for this. So I don't, I think that he's fairly methodical in what he does. Like he's definitely a to the T real clean type of guy, but I don't think he was perfect. You'll see with these murders, a lot were rushed and sloppy, even though he acts like he planned everything out as methodically as he could. He's a maniac. He's fucking for sure maniacal. Um, he's not like what I, I don't think he's schizophrenic at all. He tries to blame it on like a fucking frog monster, at one point, it being in his head, but the the what he's got is the he just has a, he's a megalomaniac, you know. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. wants to be in control. He likes tying people up and just feeling like the big man in charge. Ooh. So the cops just weren't prepared to deal with this motherfucker, and so he got away with shit that anywhere big else. Big Buford. <laughs> yeah, he's a big Buford for sure. <laughs> He, he got away with shit that in any other part of America he wouldn't have gotten away with. So things worked out perfect for him. He planned to kill for years. Like I said, when he was working for ADT, he was stalking people, building profiles on them, creeping around their house. At the same time, he's driving around the university and uh, taking a look at women and shit like that. And so he finally escalates to where he commits his first murder and he's made plans and this... PJ, which is what he calls projects, is the Otero family. First thing he does is cuts the phone line. And the way that he gets to trust the kids is he'll come to the neighborhood a couple of days before he does the crime, show them a picture of his wife and kid, and be like, hey, I'm a detective. Have you seen these kids? He didn't tell them he was a detective, but he does in the future because this is just his main plan. And they're like, no, I haven't seen him anywhere. And they see the picture of the kids. So they think like, oh, this guy's no danger. And then he comes back. So when he knocks on their door, the little kid remembers him from before. And he's like, hey, I wanted to ask your mom if they've seen these kids. And like, hold on. And now he's already in the fucking house. So when he shows up to the Otero house, he had been stalking uh, Julie Otero for four or five months is what he said in his journal. Um, he figured that it was just the one little kid and uh, Julio Taro in the house. So he was caught totally off guard when he gets in and it's two kids and her husband ends up being there. So he comes in, starts ordering people to tie themselves up and starts working on tying them up real quiet. When all of a sudden the father busts in and he's only got a knife on him right now. So he has to get into a fight with the dad. So he has to accost the dad, beat him up and tie him up. And just keep reminding the mom that he's going to stab her if she keep, if she fucks around. I ain't going to get your fucking ass kicked by that guy. Dude, this is why you got to train jiu-jitsu or something, man. You got to do you something. You cannot get beat up by Dennis Rader. And first off, how are you going to have motherfuckers tie themselves up? Well, I mean, he just got... Like, this is his first kill, right? So he's yeah, trying yeah. to order people to do shit. That's what gets him off. Like, we've got to think right now, he probably has a giant boner. He's ready to get some cream out. And he has to fucking fight this guy. The guy ends up almost getting the best of Dennis, but Dennis starts choking him and doesn't. Uh, He beats the guy up, ties him up first, ties the wife up, ties the kids up, separates the kids from the parents, and then ends up being in control of the situation now. Jeez. And so he's got this thing, and he's, like, trying to explain. Like, he's trying to make himself make sense to them so they don't freak out and fight him so much. He's basically like, hey, look, guys. I have a sexual problem. I'm from California. I'm on the run from the police. I just need to get a car, get some food, and I'll be on my way. Don't freak out. Just relax. You guys relax. Nobody gets hurt. And he's doing that the whole time. He's fucking fighting with him. And, uh, again, if you live 
in America and you have a house, if you're just alive, you got to learn how to defend yourself, man. Because if Period. he could have just kicked Dennis Rader's ass, that probably would have been the end of the whole thing. I mean, I I, can't, I don't blame the guy for it happening. I mean, who knows what happens when some fucking weird... And Dennis Rader was a big guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Who knows what happens when some weird guy is in your house? Like, it, it shit gets crazy. What if he just fucking came in and he's like, tie yourself up. I'm coming to get some money. I want a big Buford. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be pretty fucking cool, then. I'd be like, hey, man, I'm not even going to tie myself up, dude. I will get... Yeah, hop I'll even Let's drive get you to the big Buford, man. Let's get them Bufes. The Buf is out there, baby. Uh, yeah, so um, he had to kill Joseph first because he's mad now. Um, and so this whole crime goes awry. It, you know, one of the first things he says in his journal about killing is, uh, killing a human being by strangulation is a lot harder than it looks. So what he's done is he's got them all tied up. And the first thing he does is he takes the husband and he tries to ch- like front choke him with his hands. So the husband goes to sleep. He goes on the wife. The wife goes to sleep. While the wife's going to sleep, the husband wakes up. He has to go back and try to choke <laughs> him again. And then the wife wakes up. And then he goes and tries to squeeze the yelling ass kid. And then the husband and wife, it's like a game of choke him out, whack him all. And he's having to strangle the whole goddamn family well, back and forth. Dude, you can just armbar the hell out of that motherfucker. Oh, man. Well, they're tied up in a chair know, now. So anyway, uh, to finish Joseph off first, Joseph Sr., he goes and gets a plastic bag, gets a pillowcase so he can't rip the plastic bag, and ties that around his head. And so then he's, um, while Joseph is asphyxiating through the plastic bag, he goes and strangles his wife with a rope. So the last thing that Joseph hears while he's alive is his goddamn wife trying to fight off Dennis Rader, who's wow. behind her, squeezing her neck with a rope. So then she dies, and he moves on to the kids. And again, we don't glorify this shit. This all happened. This is 100% true crime. Everything that I found is Dennis Rader's confessions. I just went online, and I read him in the courtroom telling the judge what he did wrong. And there's plenty of documentary footage that you can watch him doing this. And the way that he describes his crime, he just sounds like he's talking about a fucking Sunday brunch. He's cool. He's casual. There's no emotion to it. He just gives you the facts. So anyway, everything I'm giving to you, I just read it and gave you my synopsis. I, of it. I watched the I watched the court hearing in front of the judge where he's confessing to everything, and there is no, there's no fucking remorse. He's talking like it's like he's fucking ordering a meal. It's like the weirdest shit. It's super weird. I mean, he's cold, dude. He's straight cold. He's just, you know, like I said, he's not schizophrenic. He's a for sure psychopath. He's just So he's just tuned out. Like, he's built this whole fantasy world for himself, and he knows it's wrong. He doesn't think it's not wrong like some schizophrenics do, like a Jeffrey Dahmer type of situation yeah. again. But he just doesn't have the ability to care. He doesn't have any empathy for the victims. He doesn't have any empathy for himself, his family, no one. He's just direct to the point. He knows he wants to do this. He knows it makes him feel good. And he doesn't care who or what it affects. And that's operation number one. And so he's never going to stop doing it, obviously, until he gets caught. Even though he goes dormant a couple of times. Like, if they wouldn't have caught him, he would still be out there today doing the same fucking shit. Anyway... Yeah, so he's, he had a hard time strangling anybody. And let's give the advice a two-way street. This motherfucker should have trained jujitsu too. Because if you want to choke somebody, learn how to do it right, for fuck's sake. You just can't be looking in people's faces and squeezing their neck all willy-nilly. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to give any advice to any serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to be a serial killer these days, so I doubt anyone's listening. Anyway, so... I'm telling you all this to say that obviously we don't condone this shit, but this is what happened. 
And I think it's important for everyone to know that these type of things exist and the exact details of them so you can prevent it yourself. And also, it's interesting history. You need to lock your fucking doors at night. All that shit. Don't let your kids answer the door. Be vigilant. And here's what I'm trying to get at. Is we're about to get into him killing some kids. So that's not a pleasant thing to talk about. We understand it. So if you can trudge your way through it, you need a little bit of help. Grab you a big old delicious drink right now. Preferably. Bong rip. Ancient age. Heroin. Yeah, buddy's drinking that ancient age whiskey that yeah. I tried to sneak in the Guns N' Roses concert but couldn't and hid in the bush. So, Tastes Joseph. Like bush. <laughs> Joseph Jr., who is nine years old. Dennis has him tied up in his room on his bed by himself already. He takes the plastic bag off his dad's head with the pillowcase around it, ties it around Joseph's head. He's tied to the bed, and then Dennis goes and gets a chair and sits down and watches the nine-year-old Joseph die. God. And he loved it. I mean, he'll write later that it gave him, you know, close to one of the biggest thrills of his life, which is what I'm about to get into now. Um... Raider had saved intentionally 11-year-old Josephine, which is their daughter. She was a brown belt in judo. Um, she got, she tried to fight him, and she had a broken cheekbone. So they think that because she was able to maybe get a hold of him a little bit, that he ended up just overpowering her and smashing her face a God little bit. God damn it. Uh, he took her into the basement. He made her watch him tie a noose up and string it over a drain pipe. She asked him, what's going to happen to me? He said, you're going to go to heaven and join the rest of your family. So, at that time, she knew. How, like, the dude's a devout Christian. Like, he knows, like, fucking thou shalt not kill, right? So, why the fuck would you kill a kid? Of all things, why would you kill a kid? I mean, that's what that's what uh, gets him off, dude. Like, he's like, he is basically in the situation, and he is rock hard. It's like one of us having sex with someone we would like to have sex with. He's basically in that same mode right now. So, like, if and we I'll tell sex you, with each other. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> We're fucking. Um, so, his journal says that he became heavily aroused watching her die. Um, I'll read this letter that he wrote later on once we get through all the first murders that he's talking about in it. So basically, he loved watching this happen, and he came in his pants as she died. And then he goes back through the house and jerks off on every single one of the bodies. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, so he's in there for hours, dude. I mean, it's probably in the Bible, do not bukkake, especially on dead bodies. I think bukkake involves a group. Yeah, there's a dead group. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Fuck. And so the family is discovered. You know, Dennis gets out of there. Dennis leaves the scene, and then as he's leaving, he's got his little kit with him, and he starts freaking out because he can't find his fucking knife. So he gets, like, five miles down the road, huffing and puffing, turns around and goes back, starts to walk back into the house where he just killed and jacked off all over everybody and sees his knife in the yard, snags that up, gets back in his car and leaves. Wait a minute, what What did he call his fucking, uh... His bag. Hit kit. Hit kit. He doesn't call it that yet. Okay. But okay. it's his hit kit. Yeah, he's got his little fucking game time bag with him. And the fucking family is discovered. Their older kids are off in school. Uh, we're not sure why the 9 and 11 year old are home and the mom and the dad. Maybe someone was sick or some shit. And, uh, you know, the police show up and they try to investigate it. And back then, 
the, the implements that we have now weren't in effect. The 70s is like right when they started to come out with DNA testing. But it didn't matter for DNA because like in small town Kansas, what they're going to think. I mean, they hadn't had a murder there in I think like 80 years, like since wow. the old West days. So the type of shit that they're trying to narrow down is like, okay, well, if somebody's going to kill somebody, it's got to be somebody they know. You know what I mean? Like the 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 reason has to be because you owe somebody money or you did somebody wrong or there was a problem with this, there was a problem with that. Like somebody's got to know you to do something like this. So that is making Raider totally in the clear. Like they have no reason to think that they should – or they have plenty of reason, but they're fucking idiots. You know, they're, they're not looking for anybody outside of being close to the family at all. So, you know, he's in the clear for this one. And, you know, usually when serial killers, especially when they first start killing, they'll have like a long fucking downtime, like that dormant period, the yeah. layoff the serial killers have. Uh, he only hangs out for a few months. He, this was in January of 1974, April 4th, 1974. This motherfucker's right back at it. And he's already been stalking this lady. So he already had his victim, his fucking project lined up. Wow. Um, all right. So on April 4th, 1974, Wichita police get a phone call reporting a shooting. The phone call comes from the hospital from a couple of guys that saw Kevin Bright running through the street shot in the fucking face. They rush him to the hospital. Once they get to the hospital, they dial 911. They tell the police that there's been a shooting. Um, they got the address from the guy who's been shot in the fucking face. And the cops go over there. When they get there, they find Catherine Bright face down, tied to a chair in a pool of her own blood. Uh, the responding officer rolls her over, tries talking to her, ask her what happens. She's able to pull her shirt up and reveal to him 11 giant gaping stab wounds. Oh, God. And then the fucking cop is like, well, do you know who did it? And she's like, no. And then they fucking get her into an ambulance like 15 minutes later. And she gets to the hospital. And right as they get in the hospital, she is pronounced dead from her injuries. What a dumb fucking cop. I, Idiot, man. <laughs> oh, like, God. not doing shit, you know? Just trying to talk to her. That's what I'm saying. This is what we're dealing with here. So it's not like Dennis Rader is against some formidable police force. He's just dealing with a bunch of bumbling hot dog fans. Well, it's about busting the bad guy. It's not about saving the life. It's about busting the bad exactly. guy. Exactly. That's, That's that cop shit. You always got to be the hero to save the bullshit. day. So Raider had hidden in Catherine's closet. And he was waiting for her to come back. Once she gets there, he doesn't know that her brother's just come in the door with her. He goes off to another room. He pops out and tells her, oh, I got a sexual problem. I'm just going to tie you up and rape you. And he's got a 357 and a knife on him this time because last time he learned you don't want to get to fighting people. Regular Indiana Jones. Yeah. So He just needs a whip. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got his fucking hit kit, which has got handcuffs, ropes, gloves, basically a whip. He basically is Indiana Jones of murder. Um, so Raider, when he popped out of the closet and told her this, Kevin's been listening. He pounces on Raider and fights him over the gun. He almost gets the gun away from Raider when finally Raider's able to line up a shot and shoots him in the face. Once he shoots him in the face, he stands up and fires another bullet into his head. And Kevin basically lays there dying while Dennis forces Catherine into the chair, ties her up, ties her fucking feet up like he always does, and stabs her 11 times. And this is the only time that he stabbed a victim or shot a victim. And obviously the reason was he got caught off guard. And we'll find out later that he never brags about this murder. He's not happy about it because he fucked it up. It didn't go the way he planned. It wasn't a smooth crime. It was a goddamn mess. But still, these fucking idiot cops, they don't even try to connect the two murders. 
they haven't had a murder there in, again, like 80 years. And now there's a whole family dead, and then this attack, and they're not even putting the pieces together that, oh, maybe it's the same guy. The cops literally have that discussion, and they're like, no fucking way could it be these people. Now, once, uh... Once Raider commits this murder is when he starts writing his stupid fucking letters. Um, and the first letter that he writes in, um, I don't, I'm sorry, I keep on me. I'm trying to pull a letter out here. The first letter he writes in is to the fucking police. And this is the stupidest shit of all time because the cops are like getting the idea. Nah, this isn't the one. <laughs> and the cops are getting the, this is a shorter one. Um, the cops are getting the idea that, oh, maybe it's the same guy because he literally tells them it's the same guy. So, this is after the second murder, in between, I mean, not second murder, but second group of murders, and before the third group of murders. Raider writes, I write you this letter for the sake of the taxpayer as well as your time. Those three dude you have in custody are just talking to get publicity for the Otero murders. They know nothing at all. I did it by myself with no one's help. There has been no talk either. Let's put this straight. Floyd Hannon, the then chief of police, says the writer of the letter would have to have been inside the house when the crime was committed or committed the crime because of these details. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. In the, All right. So I guess the police didn't release the details. He gave enough details to the police where he said that, but that letter hasn't been released. And then the rest of the shit that he said is, I'm sorry this had to happen to society. They are the ones who suffer the most. It hard to control myself. You probably call me psychotic with sexual perversion hang-up. When this monster enter my brain, I will never know. But it here to stay. How does one cure himself? If you ask for help that you have killed four people, they will laugh or hit the panic button and call the cops. I can't stop it so the monster goes on and hurt me as well as society. Society can be thankful that there are ways for people like me to relieve myself at a time by daydreams of some victim by being torture and being mine it a big complicated game my friend of the monster play putting victims number down follow them checking up on them waiting in the dark waiting waiting the pressure is great and sometimes he run the game to his liking Maybe you can stop him. I can't. He has already chosen his next victim or victims. I don't know who they are yet. The next day after I read the paper, I will know. But it too late. Good luck hunting. Yours truly, guilty. P.S. Since sex criminals do not change their M.O. or by nature cannot do so, I will not change mine. The code word for me will be BOIN THEM! TORTURE THEM! KILL THEM! BTK. You see, he added again. They will be on the next victim. What a dork! So he writes this letter to the police and he wants them to start looking into what he's doing. They get a good idea that perhaps maybe the first two murders might be connected. But probably not. So he continues on his fucking rampage. He's got about a year dormant time. And then Raider spots this young boy, the young Vian. Um, he's coming back from the store. Raider catches him in the street. And as the boy's going into his door, 
Raider walks up to his house. He's got a 357 Magnum on his hip. He tells the little boy, hey, I'm a private detective. I need to come in and talk to your mom about it. Real dirty hairy. So Shirley Vian is in a robe because she is homesick on this day. What a shitty day. You were just normally going to go to work and send your kid off to daycare, but you were sick. So you stayed home, kept your kid with you, and now old Raider comes a-rockin' and a-knockin'. Mmm. So he shows her the gun and tells her, I have a sexual problem. He's trying to get the kids tied up, but they're fucking going crazy, as any kid would. And uh, she's... Mom's trying to figure out what to do, and Raider's like, fuck it, and enlists her help in the project and much respect to this mom she does a kick-ass job because what she ends up doing is working with raider and they take the kids and they end up uh barricading them into the bathroom and if i said this twice we had a blip in the podcast and this is the only way you'll catch us doing anything wrong and uh she takes the bathroom door ties it up puts a bed in front of it helps raider seal the kids in there creating a protective barrier so they take toys, put them in the bathroom, but she tells him like, "Hey, you know, I don't there's no way to keep him quiet and our neighbor checks on us like every couple of hours anyway, so he's going to be checking soon. So like whatever you need to do, you need to get it done and get out of here before the neighbor is on to us." And he likes that, and then she's sick, so she throws up, and Dennis is like, "Well, I'm going to get you a glass of water and maybe that'll help you chase down this sexual problem I'm having." And so, fucking asshole. Yeah, he's the fucking worst. So, anyway, the kids are all put up. Um, He does his usual shit. He ties her to the bed with one rope from the old hit kit. Ties her feet up the way he likes. Ties her hands up the way he likes. Has extra rope. So, he uses that rope to just basically tie it around her neck and pull down behind the bed until she's strangled to death. And then the phone starts ringing. So, he's got to rush it along and he jerks off on her. And gets the fuck out of there. So the kids are totally safe. That's awesome. I mean, it's not awesome. No, it's not awesome. But dude, for the kids real, are good, man. That's much all respect I care for about. this mom because she kept it cool enough to like be accommodating to him, keep him from raging out on the kids, and get the kids somewhere where they're relatively safe and harder to get to now, or that where they couldn't intrude upon the crime. And so she that's saved my, her kids' lives. That's man. my number one concern always in any situation: the kids. Yeah, the kids, yeah, and I mean, man. if you guys don't know us, we, I mean, Buddy's got stepkids, basically, and yeah. I got two kids of my own, and like, man, this shit is just a fucked up world. I just, you know, I try to do everything I can to, you know, I got. I can tell you this one. Gun. I, I'm, I'm getting married pretty soon. Chris is gonna marry me. Hell yeah! Under the satanic shit, some satanic shit underneath the sign of the devil. <laughs> but uh, the my stepkids. Or man, I love the shit out of them, and I love Chris's kids, man, and vice versa. It's just a, uh, it, it just troubles me when anytime, anytime kids are involved, it just fucks me up. Yeah, and I like to know about shit like this because you learn a lot from it. Like how he used to dig through people's mail to get their information. How you can't let kids answer the door by themselves. Just it's a wealth of knowledge. And you gotta, you know, have a gun, be trained to use it, learn how to fucking fight. You know, yeah, it doesn't hurt sure. to spend your time learning how to scrap sure. so you can keep people out of your house and shit like that. Um, and then, so then Raider goes on an eighth month downturn and this is 1977. So he's working for ADT. He's not happy. He wants to be a goddamn cop. He's got too much time on his hands and he actually finds this victim, Nancy Fox by working for ADT. And when he's at her house trying to sell her, sell her on an alarm, 
he ends up digging through her trash, finding everything out about her. Um, so she became a PJ, she became PJ Green. Um, so he looked through her trash to find out where she works. Once he found out where she works, he started going to her work to find when her car is there and she's there. Once he found out when she's there, then he would go to her work and wait to find out what time she gets there, what time she leaves. And then he, when she found that out, he would start going to the house and creeping around the house. Wow. So one day when he decided on this particular day, he has planned it all out. He's waiting in her closet with his hit kit and he's there for like four or five hours. And she comes in the door, he snags her up and uh he's like oh i've got a sexual problem i gotta tie you up and rape you and she's like fuck and he he, dennis raider says she became a little upset oh just a little bit yeah i think she's probably upset you fucking doofus (laughs) just a little bit give me some tissues and so old sweet dennis and her he's like well let me calm you down he takes her out on the porch they sit down have a nice cigarette together, and he talks to her for like an hour. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They smoke a cigarette together? Oh, yeah, they smoke a cigarette together. Did they have some Russell Stover chocolates waiting for her? <laughs> <laughs> Split into that pack. Yeah, that's what sent him over the edge is he bit one of those fucking pink cream ones. <laughs> yeah, those fucking shitty-ass fucking chocolates. Fuck the one shit. no one wants. You should throw these out. Uh, so they smoked a cigarette together. They talked for almost an hour. And then she says, all right, let's get this over with so we can finish up and I can call the cops. They go inside. She asks him if she can go to the bathroom. He says, yes, but when you come out, come out undressed. And while she's in there, he gets undressed. She comes out naked, and right away he puts her in handcuffs. Once he puts her on handcuffs, he pulls her onto the bed, takes a belt, pulls it around her neck, pulls him to her, using it like a garrote. And strangles her to death with the belt. Then he ties the belt up, ties the panty hose around the belt, and continues to squeeze her lifeless body. And this guy, this is when he's, you know, rock hard. And basically what you and I would consider, like, missionary position. He's getting hard and fucking of course missionary jerking and shit. fucking fag. Yeah, for sure. He doesn't, he doesn't have any fun fucking ever. Then he ties the belt around her feet. He reties her feet with a rope. And then he ties her feet up with a goddamn pantyhose that he has. Uh, he gets his cum out, digs around the house, cleans up, and he takes some souvenirs and gets the fuck out of there. Then, Dennis Rader goes to a payphone. There's only one payphone in Park City and calls 911 to tell them that they're going to find the body of Nancy Fox at a residence. There's been a murder. Of course, 911 records every single phone call. And in that day, they consider this a breakthrough. And they start playing the fucking voice over the radio and over the TV station continuously. He wants the he wants quotations, the glory of this shit. That's yeah. What, yeah. I mean, that's what he's all about. Like he, I mean, once I read this letter, um, you'll see that he wants the attention bad. You know, there wasn't a lot of serial killers by the time 1977 rolled around, but enough. And he fucking knows about all of them, you know, yeah. like right now we know a lot about serial killers because we can just get online and find out anything we want to. But in 1977, to do research like that, you got to go out of your way. Yeah. Like, you might hear about it in the paper, but they don't write a detailed article over what happened. So he had done research on pretty much every single serial killer that he knew was out there. He knew the nature of their crimes, why they did it, who they did it to. Uh, in this time period after he kills her, he writes a letter to um, this family. This fucking guy had... Uh, come in and killed this lady 
And then he wrote a letter to the husband of the lady that was like, I didn't commit the crime, but I respect the guy who did. And like, he had a bunch of details. So they wondered if it could have been him, but like the details that he put in the letter about how he would have done it didn't match up with what actually happened. And for years, they, they, the only way they confirmed that it was a BTK letter was after he got caught and he kept everything. He had a fucking tree house full of all of shit. They found that letter, the original letter that he copied and mailed to her in his shit. And so he was just being a fucking creep, doing a lot of research on, uh, doing a lot of research on serial killers and trying, he was trying to get his name out. Like he wanted to be nationally known more than anything. He didn't want to be caught, but he wanted his crimes to be a big deal. You know, pro tip. If a dude sends you in the bathroom and says, come out naked, you come out naked, but come out naked with the fucking lid of the toilet. And bash his fucking skull in if you can. Go out fighting. Yeah. Go yeah, out fucking no, fighting, man. Move. But see, the thing is, is that he's telling them. Keep wasp spray underneath the cabinet of the sink, man. Yeah, wasp. Do something. Wasp spray is a great move. Yeah, if man. You, you gotta, if you keep wasp spray around the house, obviously out of the reach of your kids, it's way worse than mace, and it shoots like 50 fucking feet. Yeah, you'll fucking ruin their life. Hell yeah. Well, um, so he, once he kills Nancy Fox, he sends this letter into police. This fucking, wait till you hear this poem, buddy. Now, we know that Raider had uh, been going to technical college and regular college and taking six fucking years to get a bachelor degree. Well, with writing like this, you're about to find out why. He's not exactly an English major. He writes a poem to police on index cards titled, Oh, Death to Nancy. Oh. <laughs> that's, a cum, that's a cum sound. Oh. <clears throat> What is it that I can see? Cold, icy hands taking hold of me. For death is come, you all can see. Hell has opened its gates to trick me. Oh, death. Oh, death. Can't you spare me over for another year? I'll stuff your jaws till you can't talk. I'll bind your legs till you can't walk. I'll tie your hands till you can't make a stand. And finally, I'll close your eyes so you can't see me. I'll bring sexual death unto you for me. BTK. That's a stone sour song, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody. Uh, yeah. This is how this fucking should sound. And finally, I'll close your eyes so you can't see. Well, bring sexual death unto you for me. That's like, a, you know, like whenever somebody's like, man. So it's like all the other Stone Sour songs are all about fucking pain and, <laughs> and fucking <laughs> I hate my life and shit like that and sure. fucking cold heart. And then the last song is like, man, that's the most, that's the wildest shit I've ever read. It's <laughs> a BTK that's, lyric. That's how somebody tries to sell you on it and the rest of it's fucking terrible. Yeah, that sounds like every album. <laughs> And so he sends this into police and he loses his goddamn mind because it's not published anywhere. It's not in the paper. It's not in the news. So once again, he breaks out the old fucking stationary kit, licks his quill, and gets to writing. This letter is absurd. Then this is the one that we'll be playing the riff at the end of, buddy. Ooh, let me grab that old boy. All right. So what I'm about to read to you is a letter that Dennis Rader wrote to the TV station Cake. K-A-K-E. Yum. <laughs> he writes, I find the newspaper not writing about the poem in vain and amusing. A little paragraph would have been enough. I know it's not the media's fault. The police chief, he keeps things quiet and doesn't let the public know there's a psycho running around and strangling mostly women. 
There's seven in the ground. Who will be next? How many do I have to kill to get in the paper or a little national attention? Do the cops think that all those deaths are not related? Golly gee. Yeah, the M.O. is different in each, but look, a pattern is developing. The victims are all tied up. The victims have mostly been women. The phone lines cut. Bring some bondage. Masochist. Sadist tendencies. No struggle outside death spot. No witnesses except the victim's kids. Except the Vivens kids. They were lucky a phone call saved them. I was going to tape the boys, put plastic bags over their head like I did Joseph, then Shirley, and then hang the girl. God, oh God, what a beautiful sexual relief that would have been. It's like a Mr. Wilson from Dennis the Miss, <laughs> but like trying to fucking church it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's put it into fancy words. Josephine, when I hung her, that really turned me on. Her pleading for mercy, then the rope took hold. She... Helpless staring at me with wide, terror-filled eyes, the rope getting tighter, tighter. You wouldn't understand these things because you're not under the influence of Factor X. <laughs> In Factor X, like a DNA Factor thing. Factor X. The CNA, like the DNA thing of serial killers, like a Factor X. I fucking guess, dude. You oh, got that God. Factor X. It's within me. The same thing that shout made... Out, shout out to Static X. <laughs> <laughs> this shit's so... Dude, every serial killer to me is so new metal. It's just a fucking cry for help. Maybe we're just fucking missing out, dude, and we don't even know it. Perhaps... <laughs> who, 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 who? <laughs> All right. You wouldn't understand these things because you're not under the influence of Factor X. The same thing that made Son of Sam, Jack the Ripper, Avery Glotman... Boston Strangler, Dr. H.H. Holmes, Pantyhose Strangler of Florida, Hillside Strangler, Ted of the West Coast, and many more infamous characters. Which seems senseless, but we cannot help it. There is no help, no cure, except death or being caught and put away. It's a terrible nightmare, but you see, I don't use any sleep over it. After a thing like Fox, I come home and go about my life like anybody else. And I will be like most of that until the urge hits me again. It's not continuous, and I don't have a lot of time. It takes time to set a kill. One mistake, and it's all over. Since I about blew it on the phone, handwriting is out, letter guide is too long, and a typewriter can be traced too. Sounds great. <laughs> My short poem of death and maybe a drawing later on a real picture and maybe a tape of the sound will come your way. How will you know me? Before a murder or murders, you will receive a copy of the initials B-T-K. You keep that copy. The original will show up someday on Guess Who? May you not be the unluck one. Oh, you're doing a great job. I'm sorry, right. man. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we have now breached podcast fuckery by Buddy unplugging <laughs> his guitar and just blowing the speakers up. I'm plugging it in. <laughs> All right, let's finish that up. Let's read that again. Uh, may you not be the unluck one. P.S. How about some name for me? It's time. Seven down and many more to go. I like the following... But how about you? And then he says the BTK Strangler, the Wichita Strangler, the Poetic Strangler, Bondage Strangler, 
hold on a second. Or Psycho. The Wichita Hangman. The Wichita Executioner. The Garot Phantom. The Asphyxiator. Or BTK. That sounds like a song to me, buddy. What do you say? What a piss pussy. For sure. You got those suffocation lyrics fired up, buddy? Yep, hold on. Let me put my fucking gig slinger up. Yeah, do it up. We got a sweet fucking riff in that for you. We're basically the Wayne's World of serial killing talk shows at this point. Yeah. We got to interview Russell sometime. Noah's Arcade. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Russell was the guy that loved Garth so much. So, yeah, that's a gnarly one. That's the first period of BTK's killings. And like I said, next week... We'll go into the last ring of killings that he did and the way that he got kind of baited into bringing himself back into the media and being a real dumb fuck. And we'll let you know how he got caught being a goofy bitch. Uh, We're going to use the same song both times. This is probably one of my top five death metal songs. It's fucking heavy, dude. It's a ripper. Um, So without further ado, we'll let Buddy read the lyrics to Suffocation. Bird! Torture! Fire away! Torture provokes to divorce sanity. Horror mummifies victims who plead. Suicide tempts the mind of the moral, sickened with grief. Godless fate, perception of the lie. Debilitate the weak. Upon the altar of sacrificial bliss, I'm damned to to be disposed to perpetual fire. Dismantled youth, forced and shaped my being precedented fate nurtures the act of sinning and drives me to bind torture kill you judge my world your views have been mistaken the sickness stems deeper than it seems i bind to keep torture on to stri- torture one to strengthen and kill the weak who fail meet the needs unstable diagnosis Detained to live a victim of myself. President of fate nurtures an act of shining or an act of sinning and drives me to bind, torture, kill. Crippled soul, destined restraints embedded, impeded, involving my rage, bind, torture, kill, sanity, diminishing internal wars, desecrate, rehaunting me. Lunacy dictates my being. Enslaved until my demise surrenders me until the until then I must feed the demons. Fuel my rage and commence haunting you. Bind torture kill, dispose mental state, confides my will to tolerate. My plea to help denied <laughs> you judge my world. Dude, you Your read views. like Dennis Rader writes. <laughs> I do, dude. <laughs> Your views have mistaken. The sickness dims deeper than it seems. I bind to keep torture on one to strengthen and will kill weak who fail who meet the needs. I'm damned to dispose in perpetual fire. Dismantled youth forced to shape my being. Defeat. What the fuck is that word? 
sorry. <laughs> deafening voices fuel my action. It's deafening. Yeah, dude, I'm fucking him. <laughs> Drive me to bind torture. All right. Masterpiece by Buddy Lloyd. Hey, man. That ain't by me. That's by Subification. Well, yeah, but you read it. Uh, (laughs) I rewrote it in my mind and spoke it. (laughs) I have Buddy read things because that's my favorite part of the week. (laughs) Just listening to him read. You got to read Moby Dick to me sometime. Oh, God. (laughs) Derp. Your fucking white whale is grammatics. A white whale on your face. <laughs> Man, thank y'all for tuning in. You need to follow Professional Pirate Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, add me, Christopher, with a K, M. Pierce. Add Buddy Lloyd. I'm on Twitter at uh, Death Metal Chris. Instagram, I think it's the same. I don't know. Man, you guys, you need to use chaos magic to get what you want in life. I have an Instagram, but I don't know what it is, but I got Oh, no, no, it's, it's fucking Lloyd Have Mercy. Lloyd six, Have Mercy. Six, six, six. Right. <laughs> well, that's it. We plugged ourselves. We made a podcast. You tuned in. Come back next week when we will be giving you the thrilling conclusion of the bind, torture, kill, killer, Dennis Lynn Raider. Lynn. What a fucking fib. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week. Use chaos magic to get your will. Summon demon. Jack off. Whack.